What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my two co-hosts, John Kegley and David Drogmeyer. We are three writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, who have been covering the Chargers for four seasons now, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live. And this is our second season with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, well, a lot to get into today, guys, especially starting with some really big news or at least a big rumor out there right now. Vincent Bonsignor from The Athletic is reporting that the Chargers could potentially move to London as a destination after seeing the results of how the last couple of years in Los Angeles have gone. So we're going to start with that. Just an absolutely crazy thought of moving the Chargers again after obviously taking them out of San Diego after the 2016 season. So we'll start with that and then we'll get into the two better segments of the show. What went wrong and what went right. So this is the shortest what went wrong of the season. So that was nice and just so much to talk about and what went right. It was really a fun show just talking about how much the Chargers impressed us this weekend. So we'll get into that to wrap the show up, but let's go ahead and get into it. This is your Locked On Chargers lead story. I'm Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer. On Monday, Vincent Bonsignor of The Athletic reported that the NFL is interested in possibly moving the Los Angeles Chargers to London after seeing what has happened over the last few years in Los Angeles. The Chargers would be a team that would make sense for London right now because the Chargers home games so far in Los Angeles have been nothing short of embarrassing with pretty much every loyal fan base filling up that stadium in Carson. But David, this is just crazy news for Chargers fans to be hearing in the news. I mean, seeing that your team might get relocated again only a few seasons after being moved from San Diego, which was your home for over 50 years, to Los Angeles. And now it seems like the NFL has taken notice. We have seen things already about the Chargers PSL, the personal seat license sales being lower than what they expected by a lot. And now it seems like the NFL is feeling that heat and exploring other options. We've seen other cities be mentioned and linked to the Chargers as far as a possible relocation with LA not seemingly working out so far. But to think about the Chargers potentially moving to London is something that seems absolutely absurd, but not totally out of the question. No, it doesn't. And London boasts a brand new football stadium that can house over 80,000 fans that have already hosted a couple of games this season and sold out both times. You know, it's crazy to think about the Chargers possibly moving to London, but also this is kind of the NFL saying, hey, you know, we failed. You know, we made a mistake giving the Chargers the option to move to L.A. They've utterly failed. We're trying to get them a life preserver and get them out of there, get them into a new market. When I read this report, Daniel, I was just stunned. It was a stunning thing to see in the news cycle. I mean, London, the Chargers, the first international team is something that hadn't even crossed my mind as far as a potential landing spot or even that the Chargers would be considered a team that still needed to move somewhere else. Obviously, you've seen what's happened at home games for the Chargers, but to see something as drastic as moving the team to London brings up just so many questions logistically as far as moving all of these players on the team to London and uprooting all of those lives after just moving them already. That's quite a bigger jump than LA to San Diego. So that is a huge thing. Plus, you're talking about visas the article brings up and taxes that are all different in Europe and in London. 
But yes, the stadium is there. But David, are the Chargers going to be able to attract free agents if they're in London? How is the NFL going to compensate for the Chargers obviously having to travel much farther than every other team to go on their away games? The article talks about the Chargers possibly, you know, having a few games here in a row and setting up a practice facility here somewhere. But David, all these things sound like a logistical nightmare, and it's all something that's happening for the first time. So it seems like a lot for the NFL to try to iron out. Yeah, I mean, that's why you've only seen a couple of NFL games in London per year. It just seems like they're trying to see how things work. And obviously, it's much easier to arrange this when it's just a couple of teams or just a couple of weeks. This is a whole season for an NFL franchise, you know, that's going to have eight home games in London. You not only have to worry about arranging the travel for all the opposing teams, which you're going to see a lot more NFL games in London. And also, you know, with free agents, are they going to want to play in London? Are they going to want to be away from the United States? Are they going to want to put up with all that travel? I just don't know if it's viable at this point. I mean, I think the NFL desperately wants to expand their product. That's part of, you know, why they would probably bring this up. But I don't know if it's the right time. I don't know if they have all of the kinks ironed out. Well, the one thing that's for sure is that London is a hungry fan base. They say they have over 5 million NFL fans there in London the TV ratings for the NFL in London over the last few seasons have skyrocketed. They are ready for a team, and the Chargers are desperate for a fan base. So as far as the pairing goes, I understand. But you're also going to have to probably change what division they're in. This article suggests maybe moving them to the AFC East, kicking the Dolphins to the AFC South, and moving the Texans to the AFC West. So the NFL would have to figure all of these things out, but... It does seem to make some sense on the surface for a team that really is trying to desperately find a new fan base or at least have a fresh start making its own fan base. And for the Charger fans now that follow the team, I just don't know how they're going to perceive that. They have already spurned so many fans in San Diego, and it just seems that whatever fans you had here, I mean, even on the West Coast, besides the fans that already lived in other places, I don't know how the Chargers are going to keep the fans they already have, even though those fans aren't paying to go see the games. They've already burned so many bridges. I can't imagine what this is going to do to their current fan base if they decide to pull the plug already on Los Angeles and make the move to London. So right now, the reports are just that the Chargers would listen if those talks were to come up. But obviously, we'll see where it goes. This is just crazy news for the Chargers, seeing them potentially moving to London. But we do have two more segments to get into talking about what went wrong in this game, the shortest one of the season, and getting to John Kegley, who's an expert in such things, and then get to talk about all of the things that went right in this game coming up after this. But first, guys, when I was watching this game, the only thing I could think of is the only thing that makes me as excited as the Chargers putting together a complete game plan and playing a complete game is Blue Chew. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The best part about Blue Chew, guys, is it's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're much cheaper than the pharmacy. 
Right now, we still have a special deal going for our listeners. If you guys go to bluechew.com and enter our special promo code locked on, all you have to do is pay $5 in shipping and they will send you the product for free. Again, that's B L U E chew.com promo code locked on to try blue chew for free guys blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice all right guys well it's time to get into the segments we do every single week and get into what went wrong and what went right but of course as always we start with what went wrong and it's usually because we need so much more time for the segment that it's the easiest to do it in the middle so we can kind of work around it but this week I think it's probably going to be the shortest what went wrong after the Chargers put together such a complete game offensively and defensively I mean the Chargers just never really choked like we've seen them do in the weeks past I mean just never really let the Packers back into this game but there are a few things that went wrong in this game and of course when we do this segment as always except for the last time we start with John Kegley the king of what went wrong so John this is a a week where not very much went wrong but I'm sure that you have something loaded up for the Chargers oh we did everything wrong everything wrong we sucked horrible I'm gonna go actually with Rayshon Jenkins and I know everyone's probably thinking I'm talking about the penalty which was hella stupid but he was running all over the field. Like we would make a defensive stop or a sack and all the other players are doing like one little sack dance or whatever and celebrating with each other. Rayshon's running around the field, yelling in Packers players' faces, dancing around them, running circles around them. I'm like, dude, you're begging for a penalty. Like act like you've been there before. Join your teammates, celebrate the sack together, celebrate the stop, get off the field. And instead you want to try to fight Packers players and get, and give the Packers another first down on fourth down. After we get another stop, you're doing circles and yelling at a Packers player's face that you're lucky didn't get called. Act like you've been there. Have success. Get off the field. Let your offense play. Stop begging for a penalty. Yeah, and penalties, I guess, were one of the few knocks on the Chargers. They only had five for 45, but that one that you mentioned was absolutely huge. And I saw him kind of you know, pushing his luck even after that, which I thought was a bold move by him. For me, I mean, that penalty was inexcusable. If you had other safeties on the roster, which the Chargers didn't, which was very scary. When Jalen Watkins went down, I would bench him in that scenario because you cannot give a first down in that situation to a team who you've dominated. You can't give them that extra chance. So I hated that. As far as talking, I mean, you don't want to taunt. You don't want to be in the faces of the other team you want to celebrate with your teammates like you said I don't really mind it much but if you're costing the team you can't have it happen and if you're going to do it you have to be able to back that up with really good play and I think that Rayshon Jenkins is asking to get targeted and he's given up a few too many big plays this season for him to be you know dancing after somebody else makes a tackle so I think I agree with you somewhat I don't really mind the trash talking but you better be able to back it up and if it costs your team that's absolutely unacceptable and it can't happen I'm not talking the trash talk the trash talk is fine it's when you're dancing around the players and doing circles around them and yelling in their face and taunting I mean if you're just if you're just looking at them and have a little bit of trash talk going back something that's cool but when you're doing Things like running circles around the players, that's stuff that gets you a flag. If you're in their face yelling and laughing, like almost hitting your head on their head, like he was, that's a chance for a penalty. But if you're just looking at them trash talking like Rivers does, like Boza does and all those guys, that's not a problem. I don't mind that. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But yes, the penalties in this game 
were an issue. But another issue for the Chargers in this game was the Chargers' efficiency in the red zone. So the Chargers, at the end of the day, end up going two out of five in their red zone trip, scoring touchdowns, which doesn't sound terrible, but that's three field goals that you had to settle for. And it really only should have been one touchdown. The pe- The Packers end up bailing you out with a penalty on the field goal that Michael Badgley made, and you end up getting the one-yard touchdown from Melvin Gordon because the Chargers decided to go for it. But they did stall four times in the red zone. And for me, David, what I have an issue with is the lack of targets to Hunter Henry in the end zone, the lack of targets to Mike Williams in the end zone, especially with the kind of day that Mike Williams was having. Those are two guys I want to see heavily involved. So I think Shane Steichen will learn from this and come out with a different game plan going forward as far as trying different things in the red zone. But as far as the things that went wrong specifically in this game, especially with what we knew of the Packers offense going into this, it hurt to settle for all of those field goals in the first half. So the Chargers need to get better still in that area, converting touchdowns in red zone drives. For as successful as they were moving the ball down the field to get to the red zone, they just could not put it together, especially in the first half. Uh, you know, then Melvin Gordon had some success in the second half, but you you got to score points, especially against opponents like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You know, had an off day, granted, but they have the ability to score at any point in time. And when you get those opportunities, you have to punch it in. It seemed like they kind of tightened up or just changed or didn't have their red zone plays scripted as well. I mean, there's just things that, you know, they have to, you know, polish up. They played a great game, but obviously they need to do better in the red zone for me one thing one of the things that i saw that went wrong or was just kind of off was just another unkeen and allen day i mean four four catches for 40 yards he just wasn't really heavily involved in the game plan and i don't know what's going on with keenan but you know we need to see another one of those big games again yeah you definitely want to see i mean three for 40 for keenan allen is pretty pedestrian for a player of his magnitude but the chargers came into this and they ran the ball so many times that I just think that it was just that Philip Rivers is really just spreading the ball around. I mean, even Mike Williams, who had a huge game, only had three catches. So the Hunter Henry was getting a lot of targets. He gets the most receptions by far with seven. No other player had more than four, and that was Austin Eckler who had four. And I think that's another thing, too, that maybe we could see more of going forward. I know Justin Jackson is coming back from an injury, but he only gets two carries in this game, I'd like to see him a little bit more. I'd, and I'd like to just see a little bit more of Austin Eckler because we all know how explosive that he is. He does contribute in this game. He runs it 12 times for 70 yards, which is one of his better rushing outputs of the season. So you love to see that. Gets four receptions for 23 yards. I'd like to see a little bit more of what worked well with him, with Ken Wisenhunt, and having him run some routes a little bit farther down the field. Because, John, I mean, Austin Eckler is such a playmaker for this offense. I liked seeing Melvin Gordon and what he did in this game, but I still think, even with Shane Steichen taking over, that Austin Eckler could be more involved. He definitely could be more involved, but with how well we were running the ball and the fact that we included three running backs, I think they involved him pretty well. If you compare other games where he was getting maybe two touches a game, three touches at the most, this was a really good display of using the running backs the right way, too. Use Melvin Gordon to set up Eckler, use Eckler to set up Melvin Gordon, and use them both to set up Justin Jackson. I felt it was a nice, balanced game plan. And if something was to go wrong and you don't use Eckler more, like you keep going to Melvin Gordon and it's not working, then I think we'd have issues. But because everybody actually worked out this week, I think you can give them the pass on it. We have to see how we do against the Raiders, which the Raider game 
when we do the scouting report, we should see a lot of Eckler against the Raiders. Yeah, I hope so. And in a game like this, of course, you're nitpicking a little bit, trying to find things that went wrong. And like I said, Melvin Gordon was fine. But I mean, I'll always stand by the fact that Austin Eckler should be getting probably more touches in a game than Melvin Gordon, just because that's how highly I think of him. But I think that they use Melvin Gordon in the perfect situations. They set up each of these running backs to have success, which is something like we're always talking about. But hey, this is starting to sound positive. So I guess we might as well go ahead and get into our next segment, talking about what went right in the best what went right segment of the season coming up right after this. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the best segment of the week, which is usually the worst segment of the week because we have to talk about the very little that went right for the Chargers in any given game. But there was a ton to talk about today, David. I mean, just so many things went right for the Chargers from the jump. I mean, getting off to a quick start against a really good Packers team, getting up on them, kind of dictating the way they had to play this game. They weren't able to run the ball very often, just playing from behind as they were getting off the field. And we brought up two for 10 on third downs yesterday when we talked about this game, which is really, really good for a Chargers defense that has struggled to get off the field, going up against one of the guys who can convert it really well in Aaron Rodgers. So, David, so much went right in this game, but what do you want to start with as far as the biggest thing that you think went right? So I think I'm going to start with the running game. I think we have to start there just because, you know, you brought up a stat where the the Chargers have more rushing yards in this game than they had the past four games combined. And I think that was obviously one of the biggest things that was missing from this Chargers offense that really helped them move the ball down the field. But it also helped Phillip Rivers be more efficient with his throws, too, because he completed 75 percent of his passes. So really playing great complimentary football on the offensive side and also want to give a, a big shout out to Scott Questenberry and Russell Okung. Those guys have definitely turned around this Chargers offensive line and they've made a tremendous difference. They really have and it was a good overall game for the Chargers offensive line. Sam Tevy I thought was playing actually pretty well before he had to leave with an injury letting Trent Scott get in there at right tackle and he ended up giving up a sack almost immediately after that. But I thought overall a pretty good game from the Chargers offensive line. And talking about the rushing yards, the Chargers had 159 rushing yards, which was the most since week 12 against the Cardinals last season in 2018. The 442 total yards of offense is the most since week 11 of last year against the Broncos. The Chargers had their best offensive game of the season, and it really wasn't that close. I mean, this was just the best overall game that they've had offensively, and we saw Hunter Henry get involved. I gave you the stats in the last segment. He had a really good game, and you'd love to see that against a team that struggled against tight ends, and he had his way with every defender that was on him in this game. But, John, I mean, we have to talk about what the defense did as well because the Chargers' defense, a rush defense that was not very good this season, allowed just 45 rushing yards which was the least since the Texans game when they allowed 39 rushing yards. But in 2018, when everyone was telling you that the rush defense of the Chargers wasn't that bad, they only had a game where they gave up 45 yards or less one time that entire season. I thought this was a very good game for the Chargers defense, especially the interior with Damian Square having another strong game and the Chargers defense and tackling, especially in run support, was so much better. And you have to credit all that to having an aggressive game plan. The Chargers came in there and weren't trying to play the bend-don't-break defense. They were coming after Rodgers, and they were covering all of the wide receivers really up close to the line. There wasn't these big gaps for slant routes to get open to. If Rodgers completed a pass, it was usually 
an out route that he had to really throw on the mark just to get eight yards. If he threw it kind of deep and, and it was open, it was because he found the mark that was just a bit open. But other than that, Rodgers didn't have much to go with. They had to try to run the ball or dump it off to the running back. They actually tried to look like the Chargers offense the past like five weeks where you dump it off to the running back and hope for the best. That's what the Packers offense looked like. And that's because you were aggressive and didn't give up anything past the line of scrimmage easily. So I'm going to go with aggressive game call for both offense and defense as my what went right this game. Defensively, you sent the pass rush and you held all the Packers receivers close to the line without giving them space. And offensively, you hammered it down their throats and you went for the shots. You went for deep shots when you needed to. You actually threw the ball down this field. You didn't try to throw a lot of screens this game like you usually do. Aggressive game calls actually work when you see this. The only difference was you weren't aggressive in the red zone except for one time. Yeah, that definitely was an issue. But you're right. The Chargers' aggressive game plan came through in this game. Even the last Packers drive, I mean, the Chargers weren't just making it easy for them. I mean, they tested the Chargers' defense deep a couple times, but there was never a time where there was just a guy running wide open. Like you saw with Taylor Gabriel last week when Mitch Trubisky missed him, it would have been a huge touchdown for them. There was no miscommunications. No guys just left wide open for the most part. Just a really solid game. And the defense always looks better, David, when you have the pass rush. And Joey Bosa is just in one of the most phenomenal stretches of game that we've seen from him as a charger in this game he ends up getting a one and a half sacks four qb hits and a tackle for loss just continuing his rampant pace that he's been on the last three games he has five and a half sacks but you also saw a little bit more from melvin ingram and it's been a while since we've seen melvin ingram just really getting after the passer and just causing havoc in the backfield but he had another one and a half sacks he had two qb hits besides that and another tackle for loss as well so these guys came to play in this game and it absolutely caused havoc for the packers offense and the chargers defense knew they were getting there so they were able to play a little bit more tight they were able to not give up as many easy little plays and it paid dividends for the chargers defense it absolutely did it was great to see joey bosa and melvin ingram get in there together and get sacks we already know that whenever you put those two guys on the same side I mean good luck trying to block them I mean they're absolutely unstoppable forces uh with this the one and a half sacks from Melvin Ingram he moves into sixth place all time for sacks as a charger so congratulations to him I also want to shout out Jalen Watkins I thought Jalen Watkins had a hell of a game uh, filling in for Roger Teamer and it kind of makes you feel like he should have been starting all along because he was all over the football field, but we can't talk about what went right, what went right in this game without mentioning Drew Tranquil. Drew Tranquil made plays on defense, also blocked that punt and special teams that set up a touchdown for the Chargers. This guy needs to get on the field more. He has absolutely made a difference, and wow, what what a great contribution from a rookie this year. Yeah, and we knew he was going to be used on special teams. Some people just saw him as a special teams player, but he has thrived in that role. He has been so much better than the Chargers special teams ace Nick DeZubner. I mean, he has just been the Chargers' best special teams player this year. He already got his hand on one punt. He gets a blocked punt in this game that totally sets the Chargers up for a touchdown. It's hard to fully realize everything that Drew Tranquil was able to do. He played about 40% of the snaps on defense, so he's getting in when the opportunity arises. He filled in when Denzel Perriman got injured, so it looks like he's kind of that next Mike linebacker up at the position right now. 
which is good because I think from that tough game we saw from him a few weeks ago where he just kind of got singled out and had some missed tackles and looked pretty bad, it's been a growing experience since then, and he's played much better since then. And it's exciting to watch his progress as a rookie. I mean, he's maybe been the most impactful rookie on this Chargers team, which isn't saying very much, but we've seen a lot from Drew Tranquil this year, and I think we're only going to see more as we continue to go forward. But I also like the fact that you brought up Jalen Watkins because I thought Jalen Watkins had his best game as a Charger by far. I mean, he's never really played. And I think it does bring up the question as to why Roderick Teamer was playing ahead of him. And will Roderick Teamer take his starting spot back once he recovers from his injury? So I think those are both two things that you will have to watch. But John, Jalen Watkins had a really strong game for the Chargers. I mean, especially tackling. He did have the one missed tackle on Aaron Jones where he just... I mean, made Thomas Davis miss tackle and just had kind of one ridiculous run. But it's hard not to like what you saw from Jalen Watkins. And it gives you hope that this secondary can be better than what we've seen in the weeks before this game. I was personally shocked by Jalen Watkins because I always thought of him. And what about that hit, too? I mean, that hit was, oh, my God. Yeah, I always thought of him as just a special teams guy. He has no business being in the defensive backfield, just be a body to take the hits on special teams and then. He came in against the Packers and had a hell of a game. He was all over the field covering his spots just right, and he wasn't just standing there trying to earn a paycheck. He was making his reads and adjusting with the flow of the field. If receivers were flowing towards his side, he flowed with them. It was picture-perfect defense and the hit, as you mentioned. I loved that hit. I was loving it. Like All the Packer fans at Buffalo Wild Wings were staring at me thinking I was weird because I was celebrating the hit. And then I was like, oh, of course he's hurt, like, like the Chargers always are. And they were all just staring at me. And I was like, what, you mad because your guy got smashed? Don't be mad at me, bro. Yeah, I think he only missed one play from it. I think he was in the next play. I know he played 98% of the Chargers' yeah. defensive snaps. So, I mean, one. hey, those collisions go both ways, guys. Each collision does equal damage to both sides, and we saw it with that hit. And But what a perfect form hit by him. I mean, just the way he hit him so hard but didn't give up a 15-yard penalty, um, that's that's pretty hard to do. But he gets a tackle for loss this game and run defense. I really liked what I saw from him there, setting the edge and being a sure tackler on the outside. What a game by Jalen Watkins. And it gives you some hope that this secondary can kind of sustain some of what we saw this week, their best week of the season probably by far. It's hard to really count a lot of those passing yards against them. I mean, they held Aaron Rodgers to 35 passing yards in the first half under like 60 in the the first three quarters of the game. I mean, just a ridiculous game by them. And we also have to talk about Melvin Gordon and just him having some really nice, tough runs. I mean, he gets the third and five where he catches it behind the line of scrimmage and has a nice, tough run to get a first down. He gets the two one-yard touchdowns running hard, but he did look more decisive. And I think that Shane Steichen set Melvin Gordon up with runs where he doesn't have to make a lot of decisions, which is something I don't think we saw very much from Ken Wizen. A lot of Melvin Gordon chopping his feet in the backfield. Not this game. Melvin Gordon knew what he had to do. He put his head down, and he was actually breaking some tackles and falling forward for yardage, which is something we hadn't seen a lot from him before this. So, How about that hurdle, too, man? How about that hurdle? I mean, that was an amazing play. He just jumped. I mean, that must have been six feet over that defender. I mean, wow. 
Yeah, it looked closer to the Melvin Gordon that we've seen. I mean, you see 20 for 80. It doesn't seem like anything spectacular, but you factor in the two one-yard rushing touchdowns that go as one rush for one yard. That kind of dims things down a little bit on his day, or at least what it looks like. I thought that Melvin Gordon ran extremely well in this game, and I think especially when the Chargers at the end of the game were able to get those first downs with the Packers desperately needing to get on the field. The Packers knew the run was coming. The Chargers didn't care I mean two Melvin Gordon runs to start that drive guys that's when we saw Melvin Gordon at his most effective in the fourth quarter he gets two carries for 12 yards and gets a a huge first down which makes the Packers start kind of panicking and start to call timeouts that is a huge win for Melvin Gordon and a huge game for his confidence and just the confidence of this team beating a team like that and just having such a sound game it was truly so much fun to watch even though you were stressed out still most of the time To see the Chargers put together a complete game for the first time this season, there was never really any laps. There was never drought in the offense. There was never two series by the defense that were really bad back-to-back. It just never happened in this game, and it was a really, really good game for the Chargers, and it gives you a lot of hope for what this team can be, especially when it gets fully healthy. And Joey Bozo's post-game press conference. Let's not forget to mention that for what went right. Go for it. Oh, I get to actually mention it. Cool. So at the end of the game, Joey Bosa was asked about Aaron Rodgers, and he goes, Aaron Rodgers is pretty amazing. He can keep the ball alive really well, but he didn't do shit today. Oh, Jesus. Damn. (laughs) And you just have to love that because who was the spark, guys, after the game against the Titans? Who commanded the respect of that team and said, hey, I'm going to be here tomorrow. I don't know who else is going to be there, but we're going to learn a lot from this team over the next couple weeks. We've learned a lot from this team, and Joey Bosa, with his play and recently with his words, has lit a fire under this team that we've seen at zero points of this season. And right now, this Chargers football team looks like a good team and a team that can actually put teams away. And that sounds a very shocking coming out of my mouth right now. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. It is Wednesday, so it is crossover Wednesday. We're going to be talking to our boy Q with the Locked On Raiders podcast to get into an upstart Raiders team who had a huge win last weekend. But if you guys don't already, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing, rating, and reviewing wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. If you guys want to get your voicemails in before Friday, make sure to call into 323-524-7924 on the Locked On Chargers voicemails. The voicemails have just been so good lately, guys. I hope you guys keep it up and get on the show on Friday. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow on Crossover Wednesday. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.